Welcome to your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses giving their not-so-genius takes on all things TCU sports and other interesting things going on. This week, we are very lucky to have a fourth genius with us. We have uh, Louis from our tennis team, who has been... The entire team has been absolutely balling out so far, from what I've heard. We're going to get more into that. Louie is a two-time All-Big 12 second-team doubles in 2022 and 2023. In 2023, he went to the Fall Championships doubles quarterfinals. 2022, the Fall Championship doubles finalist. And 2021, Fall Championship doubles semifinals. So before we get into some of our questions, some of which are useful where people will learn things about our tennis team and others are dumb because I'm a dumb person. You have anything else you'd like to say to introduce yourself before we start diving in? Uh, no, no I think you covered my TCU <laughs> career. So, <laughs> yeah, so Louie, you're from Worthing, which for people who don't know English geography is south coast of England. Mm-hmm. Um and it's actually the sunniest place in England. I didn't know that. I, didn't know I, I looked that, it up. Actually. Yeah, it's the sunniest place in England, making it most likely the happiest place in England. Um, and it's a seaside town. So it's the happiest seaside town in the United Kingdom. And Connor is actually from the happiest seaside town in America. <laughs> so you guys are are kind of from sister cities. <laughs> What's the happiest seaside town? The happiest the seaside town in America is Stewart, Florida. After I personally voted eight hundred times in the <laughs> Coastal Living Poll magazine, <laughs> Coastal Living magazine poll. That being said, with the key difference from our sister cities here is that mine is here in America. We have to know how many fish and chips have you eaten in your life? Gosh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I can give you an approximate number, maybe. Okay, we I want approximate. I don't think it's, it's definitely not been like over a hundred. I don't think it's at least not three over a hundred. Wow, that's a no, really. I don't, I don't think it has been over a hundred. All right, I think it is definitely under. All right, someone smarter than me ask a better question. <laughs> I got one for you. Um, sticking to the theme of not necessarily tennis to start out, mm-hmm. you have a favorite prem team you support or a favorite English league team. Uh, I don't actually follow football too much, to be honest. That's a no. When I was younger, you said I... Crystal Palace, just from <laughs> what I'm hearing. <laughs> when I was younger, I supported Chelsea. My brother supports Chelsea, um, but honestly, I, I'm I'm not too bothered right now. I don't really follow it. I just kind of like watch the highlights. I can appreciate. Fair that enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So w- when you're not practicing or doing homework. Do you have any other hobbies? Do you have time for any hobbies? Uh, like, are you fully embracing the U.S. Uh, and eating as many honey butter chicken biscuits as you can? Or are you still holding on to, like, the English misconception that a biscuit is a cookie? Uh, yeah, that, that still is pretty confusing to me. Because, like, the biscuits here, they actually look like scones from England. Yeah. They're, like, pretty much the same. Um, so that kind of confuses me. Um, but no, in my free time, I don't know. I kind of, I like to play video games when I do get free time. Um, I don't get much of it, obviously, 
Good deal. Yeah, there, what video games do you like? This um, isn't one of our questions we had planned, but I'm curious. Play, so last year I played a lot of Call of Duty, like the old Modern Warfare. Okay. Nice. Um, the one with when the Warzone came out and everything like that. I played oh, yeah. a lot of that. Um, and yeah, now is, I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing really to play anymore. So That's I kind of just play Fortnite with my friends. Well, getting into less uh, goofy questions. Uh, from our uh, our research, and by our, I mean Jacob's, because he is the backbone of the podcast. <laughs> we found that Worthing is a big city for the UK, but it's not massive, all things considering. How on earth did you hear about uh, some small little private school in Fort Worth and decide to fly halfway around the world to end up here? Um, well, our assistant coach, Devin, I was playing um, the Wimbledon Junior qualifying, like, I'm, I can't remember the year, but I'm pretty sure I was like maybe 15 or 16. Um, and I had no intentions of going to college. Like, I had some coaches like Tennessee and some other coaches like messaged me on Instagram. And I obviously had no intentions, so I never actually replied to them. Um, and then, yes, yeah, some things happened. Like my coach couldn't coach me anymore. He got a different job at our federation. Um, and then I was kind of stuck of what to do. I didn't know where where to go or like who my coach was going to be. Um, and then my coach told me that he was in contact with Devon since uh, Junior Wimbledon qualifying because he was there. Um, and he said that he kept in contact with him. And yeah, I mean, he told me a bit about TCU, how it's like a top 10 program. Uh, obviously, Cam Norrie came out of there. Um, Alistair Gray was there too at the time, um, and I trained with Alistair when he was he was back home because we were in the same academy. Um, and then also Jacob Fernley, he was another Brit there. Um, so yeah, I kind of you know talked to them a little bit. Um, they gave me a couple insights, um, and then yeah, I didn't get to visit because it was during COVID. So I kind of just took a big risk and yeah, decided it, and it paid off thankfully. That's awesome. Yeah. We're glad you did take that risk because oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lucky to have you get you on this team. Um, so talking about kind of that transition over coming from Britain over to Fort Worth, Texas, um, your first season, you really kind of hit the ground running. You formed a really quick partnership with Sander. Y'all won 20 doubles matches, 14 of which were against ranked opponents. Uh, that's not something that a lot of people can do, can really – come into a team and just hit the ground, build a lot of chemistry right away. Uh, what about coming to TCU kind of made that transition so easy for you? Um, what, building like relationships with my teammates? or Yeah, building relationships, coming in and already like hitting the ground, making a difference on the team. Uh, I think definitely the fall is like, it's quite nice having a, a season like in the spring because the fall you kind of, you know, it's kind of more individual, but you spend a lot of time with the team still and, you know, you do activities together and you get to know each other better. Um, and it's quite funny because I didn't play doubles with Sandra at all in the fall. I was with, I was with Pedro the entire time and we, we actually had a really good fall too. I think we were like number four afterwards. But then Pedro had some things when he couldn't play like the first couple of matches. So they put me and Sandra together and, yeah, no, I think me and Sandra, we – we're good friends as soon as I got there. He, you know, welcomed me in pretty well. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable with him already on the doubles court. So, yeah, I think the fall is like a nice time for all of us to get together and, you know, kind of bond. 
Okay, yeah, that's awesome. So I, I do have a question though, because on I, I haven't obviously spoken to you before before today. Um, but on all of TCU's like Twitter posts and stuff, they say like the cat wins another match or El Gato wins a <laughs> match. How did that become your nickname? And why am I seeing it in both English and Spanish? I feel uh, like that had to have stemmed from Pedro. <laughs> no, I think it was Evan actually, because he's he speaks fluent Spanish. We had okay. we had a lot of we have a lot of people that can speak Spanish on our team. Um and then yeah, I know just I think first of all I really like cats. I have four of them in England. Um Everyone else is a dog person. I think I'm the only cat person. No, I'm with you on that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm very I'm very neutral on the stance, but at the end of the day, I don't think cats I don't think dogs bring anything cats can't. <laughs> no, yeah, I love dogs too. Um, but my family love cats. Uh, so that's one reason. And then I think the other reason was they like think I move like a cat on the court somehow. I don't know. Maybe because I like <laughs> like to slide and I don't know, chase pulls down and, you know, stretch and everything. Um, so, yeah, Dev, Devin gave me the name El Gato, and then it gets it stuck. So, <laughs> so my like favorite part is from the sound of it, you got the nickname El Gato, and then they started posting the cat in English yeah. secondarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, El Gato definitely came first. That's even better. <laughs> yeah, I like it, though. I like the nickname. We Americanized it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last year, you and Sander were able to pair up again to great success. You guys were unbeatable. Second team in school history to make it to the fall champion finals. Number four overall in doubles pairing. What was it like playing in these big matches in the fall? And did it help prepare you for the indoor season? Uh, no, it was great. The fall was great. Um, I had a good summer too in doubles. And I kind of carried that through to the fall. Um, obviously me and Sander played the year before we were pretty good. Um, so we were both confident in our ability, um, to do well. I think first was all American. We won a good first match. We had a tough second round. I think we lost that in a close match. Um, but you know, then regionals came about, I think we made final of that too, which was a good week. And um, we beat some good pairings. We beat some teammates and then a pairing from Baylor, which ended up they ended up being like number two, I think, at some point. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we qualified for the four nationals. And I've been there before, so it wasn't too new to me. Um, we're kind of used to those big matches, obviously, from the spring, like with the indoor nationals again. And, you know, you play so many big doubles matches where it's so tight that you kind of get used to used to that pressure, those pressure moments. So I don't think it was too different from anything that we've had experienced before. So I think we were pretty prepared to play those matches. Like speaking of last year's out or indoor season, you were, you were pretty much a doubles player at the beginning. You, you spotted spot started here and there for singles. But I remember last year watching the match against UNC and um, because it was at like prime time for me here in London so I was watching. We were tied three all. You were down a set. I think you were on serve in the middle of the second. And all of a sudden, something just flipped. And you just ran the guy off the court. Um, do, do you remember that match at all? Like, no, or, and what, what flipped that switch for you? 
Uh, I was actually a set in a breakdown, I'm pretty sure. I think I was a set in three two breakdown. I think you're right, um, yeah. It was funny because the start, like I was playing next to Jake and he like won the first set and so quickly I was like, okay, Jake's probably gonna win that match. Um and then obviously things can change in college. Um and I always felt I was in control of my match, even though I lost the first set and was losing. It was one of those matches where I, I knew I could win it because the guy, his game style kind of, I liked his game style for my game style. I'm quite an aggressive player and he was kind of like a counterpuncher. Um, so I knew I could turn it around and win. Um, and the one I saw that, you know, we were doing not not so good. It was looking quite tight. Um, I don't know, something just kind of, I guess, flicked and I started playing a lot better than I had. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure what happened. I guess I kind of just focused a lot more, and yeah, yeah. We went super sane. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my, that was my first thrill clinch, actually. So it was nice. Yeah. It was that nice was it, it. Was a crazy match. I remember watching it in my room and just being like, "What's happening right now?" It, yeah, it I, was did, like, I did a really good third set. Yeah. I don't think I did much wrong at all in that third set. Yeah. Obviously, you won the game. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so you were a really integral part of our run to the final four last year. Uh, what was that tournament like for you? Uh, do you see flashes of that run and and this team for this year? Do you see potential for the team to be able to make it all the all the way next year? Oh, definitely. I think it's going to be obviously tough since we lost. Uh, Bomba and Sander. Um, but we, you know, Pedro had a great summer. Jake had a great summer, Jack. You know, we, we definitely have the players in uh, to do that again. Obviously, it's not going to be easy. Every match is hard. Um, but no, I'm, I'm super excited to go and compete again. It's I just love playing, really. But, you know, I do think we have a good chance this year again. And hopefully we can do better than last year. I mean, you all have already started out strong, like you said. So... Excited yeah. to see where the season takes you guys. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. It was like it, it's like a long wait. The fall is kind of it was kind of long, and now you just kind of want to start playing. So it's nice, nice that we was playing matches again now. Yeah, yeah. And then you and Duncan, man, y'all basically met in the first round of the fall championships. You not then you guys knocked out the number one seed like it was nothing. How is it that you've been able to form such a relate, fast relationship with your partners on the court? I know you've touched on this a little with forming relationships on the team, but both with Sander and Duncan, it's taken you no time at all just to become one of the top teams in the country and form that relationship so fast. Uh, I think, I don't know, I think a lot of it comes down to like ability too, because I know they're both really good doubles players, so I already have that trust in them, you know, and I and I can put my full trust in them um i don't know duncan with duncan i guess we're both asian so (laughs) a connection there um no but no yeah we kind of formed a relationship quickly off the court too um asian invasion yeah i have to say if i were a d1 athlete on a team as good as tcu tennis i would not be half as humble as you if somebody was like how is it that you became so good so fast i would never be like oh you know they're really good too you are a very good person sir i would have been an (laughs) a-hole no yeah (laughs) 
But Duncan, yeah, Duncan's, you know, had some success on the Pro Tour too. He won a 25K before coming into um, TCU. So I was wow. excited to, you know, play doubles with him because he kind of plays like me, seven volley, um, pretty like explosive and aggressive at the net. Um, so I'm, I think our game styles like uh, pair up pretty well. So this this year is our last question for you, so you can head off to um, recovery. But this year, you, we you have an opportunity to really step into the lineup and seize your spot, whether four or five spot, maybe three spot. Sometimes, are you looking forward to be, being able to play match in and match out? Because last year it was kind of a substitute between you, Tommy, Pedro. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, this year, I think. Hopefully, if I don't, you know, stay healthy and stuff, um, I should be playing every match. My first two years has been the same, like pretty on and off. I think last year was I played more than my freshman year, definitely. Um, but no, yeah, this year, super excited to play singles and, you know, kind of get that rhythm of playing every match. Um, whether it's four or five, it doesn't matter to me, honestly. I just want to try and win for the team. Um, but no, yeah, I'm excited to play. It's going to be a fun season. So, That's absolutely, awesome. we cannot thank you enough for coming on here. Uh, there are a bunch of TCU football and basketball or and baseball podcasts out there, and what we're able to differentiate here is that we talk about some of the things less people talk about. Mm-hmm. But to be able to actually get to talk with you, uh, you guys on the tennis team, takes it to a whole new level. We are so grateful you made this time for us. <laughs> if course. you've got anything else you want to say, you're welcome to share it. Otherwise, thank you so much for being here, and go frogs. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, go frogs. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll just say, uh, come to the T- the Tennessee game tomorrow. We need people. So we play at one p.m. on Sunday. So okay, it'll be out. So before watch 1 this and leave Sunday. immediately from listening to go to yeah. the Tennessee game. Uh-huh. Go frogs. We, we need everyone we can get. Well, thank you guys for having me. All right. Well, that was awesome to get to talk to Louis there for a minute. Uh, now moving on, unfortunately, right before we started recording, it ended, but TCU basketball had a nice winning streak going, but now we are taking a look at what happened to end our winning streak. TCU just lost to Texas 77 to 66. What happened boys? I think as a whole, the frogs got out hustled in this game at uh, every single time we play UT, I feel like Dylan DeSue goes off against us. Uh, Jacob and I were kind of talking about it earlier. The guy is just a difficult matchup for this TCU team. He's he's too fast for Ernest Uday. He's too big for Emmanuel Miller. And honestly, he's just too good for Xavier Cork. I think Cork is the guy who matches up best against him. He's just not necessarily one of our better players. But DeSue had a game at... I, this game was closer than the final score leans towards. Max Aismas hit a couple of really difficult threes to end the game. Um, but overall, I think just just out-hustled. We didn't have a great game on the boards, both offensively and defensively. Um, I think the, the refs as a whole probably let both of the teams play a little more physically than they normally have. But... Yeah, we just got beat today. Well, and then you were very right that it was a lot closer than the score implies, but it was also it was very much a game of runs. The first half of the first half, Texas looked terrible because of how much we manhandled them. 
we immediately gave that up with what I think it was Jacob said in the chat looked like our laziest performance since Iowa State for the second half of the first half. We we came all the way back very comfortably in this first half of the second half, and then we gave it right back up. So it was just literally it was whoever was doing well just took it away from the other team entirely at any point in the game. Yeah, and if, if you go back and look at like the stats for the game, the difference really was the offensive ramp rebounding in particular from UT. Yes. They they beat us 14 to 7 in offensive boards, 34 to 21 in total boards. And then in terms of points in the paint, they had 44 points in the paint versus our 28. And both of these teams shot over 50% from the field and from three. So, like, neither team could miss this game. But the, the big difference was them just getting easy second-chance points. Yeah, it seemed like every time we forced a big miss, our players celebrated forcing the miss and forgot to get the rebound. And even on some of the rebounds we did get, there's a specific rebound, and Eman got it. It was, like, with three minutes left to play. Eman got the rebound, but he didn't – go after the rebound he only got the rebound because nobody else went after the ball either and he was just happened to be the closest person to it there the, the entire game today there was a lack of effort on the defensive boards there was no boxing out going on at all there was over committing on defense trying to block a shot leaving your man just standing right underneath the basket to get the tip in. It, it was just, there was just no effort. There was one point in the uh, second half towards the end of the game that there was so little, like literally no one went for the rebound. And the Texas guy, it looked like he dropped it just because he was so shocked at the la lack of people on him. And we ended up getting the rebound because the guy dropped it but no one was near the ball. Like we weren't even attempting it. it yeah. Just, and and, and that, then there was that. Yeah, yeah. There was that one, one or two possessions towards the end of the game where they ended up having second and third chances. One because of long rebounds and really, yes, there was no effort. That's inexcusable. The ball also just did not bounce our way today. At all, they, Texas had every single bounce, but you you make those bounces by effort. So I, I made the comment on Twitter um, in the first half. I was like, "It looks like Eman's tired. Eman looks tired today. I don't see. I didn't see much emotion from him. I didn't really see much emotion from the team in general. It looked like they came out with expectations on their shoulders. Like, okay, we have to get this game." And in the first first five, ten minutes of the game, that was fine. Like, they were playing freely. And then once we got the lead, the crap, we have to win this game kind of tightened everything up. And we started playing sloppily. The turnovers were awful, man. And we had less turnovers than Texas did. It's just our turnovers were their steals, and their turnovers were – passes out of bounds or like yeah. travels. So we, yeah. we had no fast break opportunities. Live like, ball turnovers can kill your momentum. Yeah. Like 
five minutes. Well, right when you texted to us uh, that Iman looked tired, I didn't respond at first because I was like, honestly, I don't have an eye for this the way Jacob does. I'm going to leave that be. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to criticize Iman. What do I know? But literally five minutes after you sent that, he like just tripped and collapsed on the floor. And I just sent back. I was like, yes, yes, he looks tired. I don't need an eye for this. He looks exhausted. Yeah, we don't have a midweek game this week, and I don't think that could could have come at a better time. Yeah. we of, They need a breather. One of the things that I've kind of noticed in the past few games, and obviously, like, Jameer Nelson Jr. had a 30-point game in the past few, so, like, props to him for that. But as a whole, I feel like we need to get more out of our guards excluding Trey Tennyson. So, like, Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson Jr., Anderson had 13 points to get this game. Jameer Nelson only had three. However, Anderson also had, like, three turnovers at the very end of the game that basically created this massive lead for UT. And so we were talking about it earlier about how there's a reason that Avery Anderson isn't on the court in the last five minutes of a game is because he plays a little bit out of control a lot of He's the gotten time. better. He's yeah, gotten better. Here. But, I mean, those lapses, man, it kills your offense and it kills your momentum. And I feel like we need to see both of those guys, but I would say more so Jameer Nelson Jr. because he was probably the bigger transfer coming in, step up and, and showcase why they were brought in. Yeah, and the problem with Anderson's 13 points is they all came in that first five minutes. He didn't do anything in the rest of the game besides turn the ball over. And Jameer Nelson went one for eight from the field. And maybe that is a little bit falling back down to earth after his 30-point performance. You know, everything regresses to the mean. Um, but, oh, and yeah, and the one was a goaltending call, which was not going to go in. Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, I would love a little bit, a little bit more production from our point guards, but there were times in this game where I was just wondering where the offense was going to come from because Micah Peavy can, can create his own shot. He's, he's a good driver. Miller can create his own shot. There were several times when both of them were on the bench. And frankly, I don't trust either of our guards to drive. I thought UT did a good job of shutting uh, Trey Tennyson down in this game. He only had five field goal attempts. He had 10 points, but like, I think as a whole, he wasn't necessarily the factor on offense that he has been in the past few games. I think it kind of goes to show Texas's game plan for this TCU offense is get the ball out of his hands, force the rest of the team to beat you. And I mean, Micah Peavy had 11 shots. Avery Anderson had 10, Jameer Nelson Jr. had eight, and they went 11, they only made 11 of those. And so yeah. compared to Trey Tennyson's five, three of five. And so it, it, it was very clear what UT was trying to do, keep the ball out of his hands and worked out for them. Yeah, our guys didn't respond to on-ball pressure terribly well. 
the ball was constantly getting poked away. And props to Texas for for the on ball on ball pressure. But man, and, and they were allowed to do it by the refs. Like our guys were getting hounded. I mean, shoot, on defense, Micah Peavy had DeSue's forearm in his throat and wasn't called. No foul was called. The ref was looking right at it. No foul was called. And then DeSue gets the ball and drives, and a foul is called on Peavy. Like, ugh. But ultimately, like, the refs aren't the reason we lost the game. We deserve to lose. UT definitely took a, a page out of Kelvin Sampson's book in this game. They were blitzing ball screens up at the top very very hard quote-unquote doubling and the ball handler forcing them so far away there were a lot of instances where Avery Anderson, Jameer Nelson Jr., whoever had to make a very difficult long pass across the court in order to get the ball swung and that just gives time for the defense to react and to to get in position and or force a turnover yeah, I was actually watching a video on that, uh, I think, yesterday. Because that's not the norm in college basketball. The norm right now in basketball is to maybe shade the screener and back off with the roll man. And the hoop vision. Yeah, right. But Houston is the team that most aggressively, like I guess, double teams – and pressures the ball handler. And when you do it correctly with guys who are athletic enough, they can't find an open man to get the ball too quick enough. And they're pushed back. And our guards tend to panic when that happens and throw that long ha- like cross-court pass, which is easily picked off. Yeah. Texas Texas did it well tonight. I know they didn't have DeSue for the first part of the season, and he's really coming into his own. Yeah, a lot of the times like guards – Whenever you get pressure from the big in a in a ball handling situation, you're taught to retreat dribble. And that just plays into this kind of pressure. They're forcing you further and further away from the rest of the offense. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, I feel like we had a good two weeks though. And we should probably give out some player awards for the two weeks that we that we haven't been able to cover. That being said, our golden player for these past two weeks, I think it's got to be Emmanuel Miller. I mean, the dude averages – he's our top scorer, and he was a Big 12 player of the week for the third time. He led us to wins over Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. We have the most away wins in the Big 12 with two. (laughs) Um, And a large part of that is due to Emmanuel Miller. And that's probably why he looked tired today. Can't really blame him. He he deserves, deserves a week off. All right. And then for our Franken sensational award, we're going to go with Trey Tennyson. The dude is Franken sensational. I mean, he he can shoot shoot with the best of them. Like Barrett said, he got a little held back today by Texas. They game planned for him well. But even with that, he still put up a good 10 points. I mean, he is a very talented player, well deserves the Franken sensational award. Also, it occurred to me, and I'm probably the last one to realize this, but Trey means three, and we're not making enough memes on that on the Twitter sphere. <laughs> yeah, Trey's been lights out shooting from deep 
over the past like week and a half. It's been absolutely insane. Um, so moving on to player we want Murr out of. Um, this is probably a little bit of bias from my side because I've been wanting Murr out of him for a while. But uh, we're going to give this one to Avery Anderson. Uh, he has to cut down on the turnovers. Again, he's a great player. He's plays with a really high motor, a lot of athleticism, and can play above the rim. But he plays really, really out of control at times. Jacob, and I, Jacob had mentioned that he started to move in the right direction, kind of calm down, slow down. We want to see that continue, though. We want to see him cut down on those turnovers and play within his role in the offense rather than trying to force some plays and then ultimately creating a four-point swing in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. All right. I don't have too many picks for this week. I just grabbed about six Big 12 games that are some of them. The thing is, with the Big 12, to be fair, I could throw a rock at the schedule and pick one that's a good game. (laughs) But... (laughs) All the same, I tried to at least grab like ranked matchups in one form or fashion, so there was at least some degree to like I'm not just throwing rocks at the schedule, but the Big 12 just great across the board. That being said, first up, we've got Kansas at K-State. Jacob, who are you riding with on that? I'm going to go with Kansas. Um, They're up by 15 on Houston right now. And McCuller just came back. And if they can ride, I mean, I've criticized them for having three players. And those are their only three offensive players. But, I mean, shoot, if it's working against Houston, it can work against anybody. I'm going to go with Kansas. Yeah. Kevin McCuller coming back for this KU team turns them into a completely different beast. Obviously, he's not 100% healthy, but him even at like 70 80% is better than not having him on the court. I will say, though, that I think this is a sneaky trap game for KU coming off of what's most likely going to be a a win against a really strong Houston team going into Manhattan in the Little Apple to play an in-state rival. Seems like that could go poorly for them. But at the end of the day, I think KU is probably just too good for this Kansas State squad. And I'm going to pick them to come out on top. I'm going with K-State. I think Kansas has had weaknesses and K-State's at home, so I'm giving it to them just because the Big 12 is scary in road games. I I normally don't pick against Kansas, but I'm giving it to them on this one. All right, Iowa State at Texas. Jacob. I think I got to ride with Texas here, man. They've convinced me tonight. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Texas. Barrett? Iowa State's defense is legit. Uh, They pressure the ball really, really well. That being said, UT has two very, very savvy ball handlers and Max Asmus and Travis Hunter. And also, Iowa State does not have a lot of size. I don't know if they're going to be able to deal with Dylan DeSue in the paint, Um, similar to how TCU played against UT. So I'm going to give this one to UT as well. Given more time and space from this game, I probably would pick UT, but I'm still really angry. So I'm going to go with Iowa State by 40. (laughs) Uh, 
BYU at Oklahoma. Jacob. I'm not terrible. Yeah, I haven't ter been terribly impressed with Oklahoma as of late. So I'm going to take BYU. All right, Barrett. Yeah, OU is a young team. We've said it a few times before. BYU's got a scary good offense and a lot of really, really intelligent players who don't turn the ball over that often. I, I think BYU comes in and Mormon and leaves with a dub. Yeah, I I am with you. The Mormons are winning in Norman. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I'd like it to be known that I picked this game just so I could make that make that rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Tech at Baylor. Uh, I think Baylor takes this one. Ba uh, Barrett? These are two very similar teams. I I don't want to pick Baylor, so I'm not. I'm going to pick Texas Tech. <laughs> For the exact same reason, I am running with Texas Tech. I really don't want to pick Texas Tech either, but... <laughs> If I've got to pick one, I'm going with Texas or I'm going with Texas Tech over Baylor. Oh, I, wait, I forgot. I'm not picking Baylor. I'm picking Texas Tech. It just went right. completely over my head. I forgot who uh, Baylor was for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just comfortably handled them in their own court. So it's kind of the rivalry's forgotten with what a little brother they've become. Um, all right, that yeah. being said, another Baylor game, Baylor at Kansas. Well, I'm not picking Baylor, so. Barrett? This would be a good matchup. Uh, I think Baylor actually has the size to be able to deal with Hunter Dickinson in the paint. Eve Misi is fantastic as a freshman. That being said, once again, not picking Baylor. Yeah, I'm not just not picking Baylor. After our game against Kansas, I'm well aware of what the refs will do for them in their own house. It's Kansas is winning this game comfortably. Last but not least, TCU at Iowa State. I'm going to pick the Frogs. Frogs? All right, Barrett? I'm terrified of playing Iowa State again. Uh, they destroyed us last game. I don't think we hit 27 turnovers again this time, but Iowa State's going to have their number one player back. They're going to be stronger than they were last time we played them. Um, I think we probably still hit 20 turnovers, and I think TCU probably loses this game. Blah. No, TCU's winning this. We're upset after a loss. Tuesday, we're resting. This is going to be our big comeback. We're upset after a loss to Iowa State. Also, Jamie Dixon's hitting everybody with a sack of quarters until they fix the mistakes we made last time. <laughs> the frogs are coming up big against Iowa State. I, I um, will I will add on to that. Having an entire week to be able to prep for Iowa State is incredibly helpful. That's huge. Um, yeah. With that, do we want to get into how we think that game is going to go? I know yeah. we have nothing prepared because it's right after the game, but we're also three geniuses, so I don't think that'll be a problem. All right, so Iowa State didn't have a great game against them last time we played. Like I said, 27 turnovers, not really what you want to see. Um, they are a team that forces a lot of turnovers 
on average. They're like top 10 in the country in turnovers forced per game at, at like 18. Uh, we had mentioned last time we played them, one of their key players is Tamon Lipsy. He's their point guard. Pretty much everything on offense runs through him. He's averaging almost six assists per game, almost 14 points per game. The dude's just a baller. He's also averaging like over three steals per game. So that's one of the things where I, where I was saying like having him back is going to be different than playing against them without him. But like the guy is incredibly good, both offensively and defensively. And so I think it's going to be difficult with him back on the court for them. And as we've mentioned before, they don't have a lot of size. So I think if Ernest Uday can get on the offensive boards in this game, if we can actually get shots off and not turn the ball over almost 30 times, we only lost by one last time having probably the worst game of the season. And so there is a chance that we beat this team. Yeah, that wasn't the worst game of the season. That might have been the worst game I've ever watched, like especially <laughs> the first half. That was just, oh, my goodness. I can't – words cannot describe how bad that first half was. But, yeah, I agree with everything Barrett said. We have to also look out for that white kid, um, Mom, Momchilovich. He killed us. Uh, a classic yeah. name of a white kid from Iowa. Yep. Got to look out for oh, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, I just remember the first half. He's just draining shots on us. Yeah, um, he's, he's a got a great post fade. Yeah, and he's a forty-one percent three-point shooter. So, gotta watch out for him. Hilton Magic is something like it, it's. I think it's second in the league to the Fog, and and its home court advantage. Um, yeah, I think we can still win though. I don't think they're a better team than us. I uh, I have to say you you heard my take during our picks. We're going to win. Jamie Dixon's going to beat them. All that blah blah blah. However, the most compelling argument against us is exactly what you just said. That Hilton Magic is for real. That is a scary place to play. Absolutely. I don't like I mean, playing in Ames in any sport in any context. I thank God every day they don't have a baseball team. Ames terrifies me no matter what sport it is. I mean, just look at uh, Jerome Tang. Dude was like crying after their game against Iowa State. It that's like, it, playing in the Hilton breaks people. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I I mean, shoot, from what I heard was said, which was basically nothing. Like K State fans just like to make a fuss about nothing on Twitter. K-State fans are very good at making a fuss about nothing. They just accused Iowa State of saying a whole bunch of stuff, and then it came out like, oh, yeah, no, it was nothing. So, like, they're going to go hard for their their team, and I absolutely respect it. Were, was Iowa State the one where the video was going and then making the rounds of the old fans all up on their feet screaming? And K-State was yeah. like, you're a grown man. It was like, dude, shut up. That's awesome that that grown man is that hype. Yeah, it's I the Iowa State had that. Carey. Yeah, there was that guy who looked like Jim Carrey who was like doing this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, like that's what we should expect when we go up against them on Saturday. Even their 80-year-old fans will be screaming louder than most teams' fans. Especially because we'll probably be ranked. Yeah. It's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah. You the think one... we'll be ranked? Yeah. You don't think this I takes do. us down? I would no, say so. We, we beat number 15. Oh, yeah, that's Texas right. Texas and we had beaten Tech earlier in the week. That's fair. So, yeah. But yeah, I would say the one solace that we have going into this Iowa State game, they don't rebound particularly well because they don't have a lot of size. And so well, after today, I don't think we do either. Yeah, I was going to say if, if, we can have, last time. if we can have half as like one half above the effort that we had in this game, which is not a lot, we should be fine against this team. Um, again, I think they got out to a stupid large lead in the first time we played them just because of how many mm-hmm. turnovers we have. If we can trim that even by five, which is still a lot of turnovers, uh, I think this game ends very a little bit closer than how the first half of the Iowa State game trended last time. Yeah, I agree. Last but not least, we got our quadrant tracker. Um, So, obviously, Tech earlier this week was a Q1 win. Texas tonight was a quadrant two loss. So, we have Iowa State away, obviously a quadrant one win. And then West Virginia at home, which is going to be a quadrant four win for us. So... The Iowa State game, if we lose it, it's not a deal breaker. We cannot afford to lose the West Virginia game. Yes. Which is, again, like next, next Monday. But just looking two games in advance, can't afford to lose that one. Gosh, it'd be so good to beat Iowa State. Yeah, it really would. Such a good team, though. All right. Well, with that, do we have much left to say here? The only thing I'll so. say here, yeah, go for it, here is that if you look at the Big 12 rankings right now, obviously, like the the AP poll or whatever is going to change after this weekend. But right now, there are eight Big 12 teams in the top 25. Five of the five teams above TCU in the rankings right now are all top 25 teams. And so I think that, like, keeping that in mind with, like, how our season has been going, we've obviously had a few tough losses here and there. I think UT is better than their ranking, um, especially now with Dylan DeSue back. But this is an incredibly deep and incredibly tough conference. And so the expectation should never be, like, we're going to win every single game. Obviously, we want to win every game, but, like, that's just not realistic. And so we got to win the games that – we should win, specifically our home games. This this loss against UT is going to sting a little bit. Yeah, and we've always said if you go 500 in the Big 12, you're guaranteed like a top seven seed. If you go one game under 500, you're guaranteed to be in the tournament. Two games under 500, you're probably still going to be in the tournament. We're five and four. We have a winning record right now in the Big 12. We still play West Virginia twice, UCF once, 
Baylor at home. Yeah. That, that is we another have, thing to keep in mind is that our schedule gets significantly easier yeah. in the latter half of Big 12 play. Yeah, the Big 12 gave us a middle finger in the beginning of the season, so it's it's going to be a little more comfortable as it goes on. The unfortunate part is that the Big 12 is so good that significantly easier is still comes with a huge asterisk of it's still the Big 12 where it just means more. So there's a lot left to come, but yeah, it we... I feel very good about our future. Yeah, I think the Big 12 gave everybody a middle finger by being That's the fair. Big 12. <laughs> except UT, because they love UT. Yes, except yeah, the one they, they should have given a middle finger to. Yeah, but oh. we only have four teams that are ranked left on our schedule. No, three. yeah, yeah, four teams. And we've played three of them already. So we have an idea of what we're getting. Cincinnati at home will be a big game too. Yes. The The biggest tragedy of this loss against Texas is that with all the horns down stuff that's been going around, the schizo video that just got deleted was so good. Like, I don't know what it was, but I have no doubt that we were going to get a banger of a schizophrenic frog post after that win with all of the horns down shirts. And instead we get nothing. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have any closing thoughts? Nothing. All right. Well, this was a very depressing game, but at the end of the day, the frogs are still doing great. The frogs have got a lot of great to come. Big thank you to Louie for being on the show with us. Big thank you to all of you who listened and watched today. Uh, If you get a chance, please go follow us on Twitter at TCU's three wise men or like, and subscribe wherever you are watching this right now. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for watching your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses. Have a fantastic week and go frogs. Go frogs.